I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, today we are talking about one of my all-time favourite episodes, The Russian Job, episode 11, season number three. I love it. If you say you hate it, I will be devastated. So please (laughs) be kind to me and the episodes that I like. But Beth, what did you think? Okay, I really liked this episode. I do think it was very, very fun. It broke up the format of a normal leverage episode in a way that it was very entertaining but still felt very on brand and, like, in character. Mm -hmm. It was very kind of relaxed, I suppose. Like, there weren't... There weren't stakes the same way they usually are because they were telling a story that's already happened. So you kind of know that everyone gets out okay. And like, you know, so it's very fun. I also enjoyed, like, I quite like being able to sort of like work out Mm -hmm. plots as they go and be able to make guesses and predict like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, I think this is what happened or whatever. And leverage is sometimes so intricate. And there's like, they don't give you all of the information Mm -hmm. to be able to work things out every time so I sometimes get a bit frustrated because I'm like oh man like I really wish we had a bit more of a clue about this because I think you could have worked it out if you just showed us that little bit but this episode it struck the balance so well of like giving you enough information that you absolutely could work it out but like just little enough where like if you weren't actively trying to work it out you, you would probably go over your head but I'm so proud of myself because I guessed like every single thing Right before, like, before it happened, like, I was like, oh, my God, that waitress is one million percent Parker. And, like, that that guy looks so much like Elliot. Like, he's giving me Elliot energy. Those glasses are really Elliot energy. And, you know, like, it was very fun. I think the only thing was that I was like, oh, my God, was Nate, wor- like, was Nate Coswell? And I was like, that feels weird. But yeah. then, like, it was working with Coswell. And then, oh, my God, Coswell's personality shift for yeah. that last retelling is so fun. Like... So and I'm it's rambling. Just, I really love it because it's like you can it it makes sense. Yeah. Because for Nate, Coswell is inherently a different character than he is for everyone else. Yeah. Everyone else sees Coswell, he's the as head of security. He's the threat. So yeah. they have to take him seriously. So they're not gonna see him as a bumbling fool who is in love with Sophie's Dr. Karen Ipcress. Yeah. Which he's so valid for that. <laughs> I too would be in love with Sophie's Dr. Karen Ipcress. Yeah. She is like, she is She's a sweetie. She's a sweetie. She's nerdy. You know, she's very... She's bringing everyone coffee for four months and donuts for four months. Like, what a babe, honestly. Like, this episode... I actually... Here's the thing about it, right? I really, really liked it. Mm -hmm. It did not hit me as like, oh my god, this is one of my absolute favourite episodes of all time. But I think it has much higher rewatch value than a lot of other episodes. Yeah. Purely because the plots are all so interwoven that I think that if you go back and watch it a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, infinite time. Oh, yeah. You always you spot new always things. always pick up yeah. new things. And so, like, like one of the things that I didn't notice initially, and actually you pointed out, was, like, when Parker is trying to get through the door and it won't budge, it's because Elliot's on the other side. And, like, I was just like, oh, it seems weird that she just can't get through the door. Yeah. But then you were like, oh, yeah, remember, because Elliot's on the other side. And then yeah. they show you later in the episode and you're like, oh, yeah. Or, like... You know, the fact that the guy that stopped chasing Elliot stopped chasing Elliot. And I guessed, I was like, oh my God, because Nate, like that's the dealer that Nate gets, you know, and then you get the reveal and it's fun. But like, I think going back to the episode and like knowing how it all plays out allows you to like look in the background and see the little details and like, you know, really appreciate the intricacies that is this plot. 
And like I will also say, you've also you on your first watch watch through spotted a lot of things that I did not notice on my first watch through. Really? Yeah. So oh. I didn't pick Parker as the waitress until I think either Hardison or Elliot's version. Whereas you picked her on Sophie's. Can I? We just... watched the episode together, and she picked. She was like, "Oh, blonde haired waitress. That's Parker." I was like, oh, "Yeah, maybe." I. Am I getting a good grade in watching Leverage? You're getting a fantastic grade in watching Leverage. <gasps> a totally normal thing to want and totally possible thing the to achieve. I <laughs> think that really stood out to me that you noticed like straight away that I didn't notice until like my third or fourth watch through mm-hmm. is you can see in Sophie's retelling that it's Elliot who's talking to Coswell yeah. because you hear his voice. I didn't recognize his voice on the first watch. Really? Through. No, because I think like the first half of it sounds like not quite like Elliot, and it's just the last bit that's like, oh no, that is definitely Elliot. Elliot. Do you know what is but so it's... funny? Right, is that like when I was watching Sophie and Elliot interact, when you think like you, it's not actually Christian Kane playing yeah. Elliot; it's the guy who's playing like yeah. the doctor. And I was like, he is giving such Elliot energy. Which, yeah. by the way, kudos to all of the actors who were playing the crew counterparts because you could see it. Like, you were like, yeah, that is Elliot energy. Like, he is giving Elliot right yeah. now. And so I was watching it and I was like, oh, my God, like, that is so Elliot. Like, the glasses are peak Elliot, especially yeah. when Elliot's playing a role. They're like, yeah, they are like Elliot's glasses. Right? No and reason like, even, for that. Like, even the hair and, like, everything was so Elliot coded. And I was like, that is such Elliot energy, especially, like, the flirting. And they're like, oh, sorry, did I, did I get on your dress? Like, that kind of interaction is very Elliot and I was like, okay. But then later you get the bit where it's like, oh, that's clearly his voice. Yeah. And I was like, am I wrong about mm-hmm. the first part? Because I was like, because that's definitely Elliot. But that's also a very different role. So then I was like, is he maybe like working for the security team undercover in the like gallery yeah. area? So I didn't quite understand the full extent, but I definitely recognized him across Sophie's mm-hmm. retelling. And I... It took me longer to crack Hardison. Yeah. Hardison's you only got an Elliot's read telling it only because they made a, such a big deal of the dude choking on. Yeah. Although, to be fair, I will say, Elliot's retelling is only the second retelling, so yeah. I'm still quite proud of myself. You were clueless in Sophie's, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, like, he was such a minimal character, yeah. except for the fact that he choked on the shellfish, which I also think is, like, so funny, is that, like, he actually didn't choke on the no, shellfish. it was just coincidence that they happened to choose... The same sort of diversive tactic, yeah, and it's just so fun, and, like, I really, really, really enjoyed this episode, seeing how all of them individually would have run that mm-hmm. con, but also how each one of their cons overlapped in such a way that, like... They were they, having to improvise and adapt based on what the other members of the team were doing. Yeah. Without even knowing about it. Uh-huh. And like, Parker had to adapt her strategy because Elliot was against the door. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Parker had to adapt her strategy because she grabbed Sophie's bag instead of her own bag. Mm-hmm. And then Sophie had to adapt her strategy because she ran into Elliot. Yeah. And, like, and then... I think it also is such a – it is such an interesting way to show how good all of them are at their job because none of them up until this point realised that the reason their job didn't get pulled off is because anyone else was there. Yeah. So the fact that all five of them were there mm-hmm. and none of them knew about the presence of any of the others mm-hmm. is incredible because it's such a small space for them all to be operating in simultaneously mm-hmm. and, like, not even Nate – 
picked that any of the four of the rest of them were there. No, he. you can actually, one of the really great rewatch values of this episode is you can go back and watch and just watch Nate as he puzzles it together based on what every other member of the team said. Yeah. Because, of course... He knows the end detail. He knows the end. He knows somebody tried to steal the dagger. He knows Parker specifically tried to steal the dagger. And you can tell that in the way that he's specifically, like, communicating with Parker. You can tell that he knows Mm -hmm. that Parker was the one... Yeah, to steal the with the upside-down cups and stuff. Which, by the way, those cups were lovely. I, yeah. Completely irrelevant, but they were very pretty. But you know that he knows that Parker stole the dagger because, of course, he held from Coswell Yeah, that, par- like, Coswell saw Parker in the vets. So it's not a massive jump for him to assume yeah. the blonde lady that was a waitress in the vents was Parker. Like, when yeah. he works out that they're all there that night. Yeah. Like, it's not a massive jump that the thief who was crawling through the vents was Parker. Yeah. Like, it is 100% her sort of crime. Yeah. And it makes sense that she would be in the vents. Yeah. So, like, and you can tell that he knows it's, like, all piecing together and, like, it's clicking into place. It's, like... But I just, I just think it is so impressive. And a lot of the time, especially in, like, the first season, I remember talking a lot about how one of the things that bothered me about Nate was not just that he was, like, super drunk and constantly putting the team at risk and, like, all these things and he was just annoying with his dumb hats, but... The fact that I couldn't understand why he should be in charge. I just felt like they weren't actually showcasing why he specifically should be in charge. And this episode, I finally, like, I've seen it now three seasons through, but this episode, I was like, this is such a fantastic example of why Nate is the head of this crew. Because even though, forgetting that he didn't actually know the four of them were there and he ended up with a dagger by accident... The fact that he managed to work out the like mm. the rest of the situation, the fact that he was able to on the fly come up with the solution that he did, mm. and like he not only trapped the guy who was committing insurance fraud, but he also managed to take down the guy who was chasing Elliot. Like you're like, oh, Nate was so good yeah. at what he did. Like we know very well that Parker, Elliot, Hardison, and Sophie were the best at what they did. But so was Nate. Yes. And, like, that is a very easy thing to forget because we don't really see Nate get to show what he was actually like or what he was doing when he was working for IYS. We just kind of have to take their word that he was good. Yeah. But here it is showcased in such an interesting and fun and effective way. Mm-hmm. And you just go, oh, he is Taylor Swift mastermind. Like, yeah. you know, like... Like, he... I want to put it out there. I do not think he caught that dagger. I don't think he did. I think that yeah. was just like him making himself look good. He probably just like found it on the floor under the he bed. He probably either like, like found it on the floor or like he heard something drop in. So he went and like, yeah. or like, you know what and I mean? actually like, falling into his hand is a bit fucking much. much. And I think that's 100%. Because again, like this is his version He's of the embellishing. story. Exactly He's embellishing. Exactly the same way everyone yeah. else did. Yeah. And I do think he embellished less than everybody else, especially when everyone else realized who the other people were. Like specifically. Sophie's accents. Sophie's accents and Hardison, the way that he was like, he very much embellished himself and like, oh, I was like handing out roses and like I was a lady's. Mind you, he's and like. the size of the knife. <laughs> the size of the knife and like. He, he going and taking a photo of like Elliot and Bloody so, Sophie yeah. being nasty on the dance floor and like so funny. I almost wish that he'd been like, wait a minute, and like pulled that photo out at some point. Like fucking iconic, you know, blackmail material. A hundred percent. So like, 
Everyone is embellishing, and I. But I do think that Nate's is the least embellished. Well, it doesn't have to be as embellished as no. the others because one, he won, but two, like he wasn't there for the majority of the bigger so part of the story. So he's just sort of placing together everyone else's details. Yeah, he's like, okay, well, based on what you guys have said, this is what happened. Yeah, yeah, and I just, I really love like when before we sat down to watch this episode, you told me that you were pretty sure I was going to like it. And you told me that it was, like, supernatural trickster episode-esque. Like, you said specifically that it's got, like, mystery spot energy, but, like, with more of, like, tall tales spins. And I was like, okay, that's a... But the good bit of tall tales Yeah, specifically the good part of tall tales. Not the... And as soon as we started watching it, I was like, oh, I know exactly what you mean. Because, yeah, you've got that dynamic of multiple people retelling the same stories, mm. but because it's from each character's perspective, the other characters are caricatures based Which on their Which is exactly what you get in the good bits of Tall, of Tales. Tall Tales. You get specifically Sam and Dean telling their perspective, and I think it's really fucking hilarious that Sam's perspective of Dean is basically like... Um, Hardison's like, perspective of himself. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, Sam's perspective of Dean is almost identical to Sophie's perspective of Elliot the second time. Oh, yeah. Good which is like, he's a beer-drinking cowboy. And like, <laughs> like, and you've got the ridiculous... Like, that's the same and thing. And the pipe. And the pipe. And, but then you've got, like, um, Dean's version of himself, which is Hardison's version of himself. Yes, yes, Which is, yes, like, yes. him very, like, suave, like, Get yeah, have ladies. a rose, like, da-da-da-da. Like, the very classy purple she, nipples, yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. Sorry, that is what I meant before. Like, yeah. like Hardison and Dean's, like, versions of... Yeah, mm. which is so funny given we've talked about before the, like, Dean Hardison, uh, Cass Parker thing. And all of the codings. Yeah, but, like, it's so fun. Also, because you know if Cass had been there, it would be exactly the same as what Parker was like about Hardison, <laughs> which is, like, he's, he's like, like... You might have to cut open his throat. Like. <laughs> no, not that, but, like, the, like... Oh, do you want one of these squishy things? Like, they're free, like, da 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 Like, because, like, here's the thing. At the end of the day, I think Parker's description of Hardison is actually probably the most accurate. Which is so interesting. Which is so funny because, like, you know, you've got Sophie's version of Hardison is a douchebag mm-hmm. because she thinks he's Mr. Robert Yoko, who is a douchebag. So she adds in, like, the R slap to say mm-hmm. that he's a dude. Like, she's trying to justify giving this dude an allergic reaction. Which is so interesting because, like, Hardison is showing himself, like, wooing all these ladies in this, like, very suave, like, way. And Sophie's, like, he was a piece of shit who was hitting on all these women. Like, like completely. And nobody was interested. No one was into it. He was being super inappropriate. And it's, like, it's interesting because, like, what is more likely is that it was a middle ground yeah like what is more likely is that he was hitting on people who maybe weren't interested but he wasn't slapping their asses no like you know he was doing exactly what parker said he was doing yeah exactly he was like fucking free food which dean dean coded yeah he was like fucking free food i'm stuffing my pockets with it like i am Mm -hmm. ineptly hitting on women because also at this point in five years ago for this story he would have been like 19 20 21 max Mm -hmm. like yeah he's only like I think he's 24 in season one, mm. 23, 24 in season one. So you can assume he's maybe 25, 26 in season three. Mm-hmm. So, like, he is, yeah. like, 19, 20, 21, like, and somewhere so, like, there. him, like, tricking his way into this fancy schmancy, yeah. like, world. Like, it's, it's giving Dean in 
red sky at morning. Yeah. Like also he's a foster kid. Like he and he he didn't come from wealth. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be used to this sort of Exactly, like, Dean, red sky at morning. Like, like yeah. So like it makes a hundred percent sense that he's like, Oh, do you want one of these squishy things? Like I'm I'm stuffing my pockets right now. Like It's incredible. I yeah, look, there is so much happening in this episode and Actually, the reason I brought up Supernatural at all was because I think it's really entertaining that 311 Supernatural is, is mystery spot and 311 Leverage yeah. is this episode. It's just, I'm like, what is it about season three, episode 11? Whatever show we watch next in this podcast series, like, I'm going to be very interested to see what season three, episode 11 is. Like, is it just something about that number? Like, I don't know. But like, yeah, genuinely, like, and it's so fun and... I love this episode so much, and I don't know where I was going to go with that, because my brain is empty. That's fine. I, like, I think this episode is one of those ones where, like, I think that our episode on it, and I might be proven wrong, but I think our episode that we're currently recording will be a shorter one. How meta? (laughs) Purely because not a lot happens in this episode. It's the same story four times, and what's fascinating is the way that the characters within the story relate to the other characters within the story. Yeah. But it's, like, it's one of those ones where it's, like, it's just really good. Mm -hmm. And there's not, like, a huge amount of discussion to be had. Like, nothing is really extraordinarily developed in terms of plot or character because it's all sort of stuff that we already know. Mm -hmm. But it's just so well executed that I don't care that I didn't learn anything. Like, I learned that they all worked a job at once. I've learned that Nate was really good at his job yeah. in a way that we haven't been exposed to yet. But, like, the fact that I learned nothing about Moreau or about, you know, any more of their real background or anything, I don't care. Yeah. Because it was so fun. And it was just such a nice kind of intermission-y episode. I'm assuming the rest of this season is going to get pretty heavy because we don't have much left. No. We're um, like five episodes out from the season finale. Yeah. We're about to start. Like, we're going to start hitting the... Yeah. And so, like, and even at the start of this episode, they actually just make this very supernatural-esque where they're like, aren't we supposed to be looking for Moreau? And they're like, not right now. This is more important right and now. And fucking Nate's like, but if we don't find Moreau, I'm going back to prison forever. And the other guys are like, <laughs> you did fucking fine the first time. Like, yeah, you learned new skills like hypnotism. <laughs> You know, like, I I assume that the purpose of this episode is, like, it's going to be the last, like, very fun kind of filler episode yeah. before we start hitting ones that are, like, actually, like, higher stakes mm-hmm. and, like, specifically linked to Moreau. Mm-hmm. And also, this is, like, kind of maybe a little getting ahead of myself, but I'm assuming that if there is a link to Moreau in this episode, it is either going to be to do with the security system that Hardison talked the, about. Nikki. Yeah. yeah. Although, in saying that, I'm pretty sure that the security system they talked about earlier in the season is going to be it's the one. Okay. So, unless there's, like, a hybrid between the two, you know, like, where the two companies came together to create, like, the yeah. mega security system. Unless that happens, I'm assuming it's going to be the Storenko, but... This is also a new one that I don't think we've had come up before, yeah. and they specifically highlighted how difficult it is to crack. But I assume that the guy who was sending people after Elliot, oh, could, if there's yeah, if there's gonna be a link, yeah, I'm assuming that's it. Um, but I don't have. I mean, I think mostly this episode was just fun filler before we yeah. hit the more hardcore stuff. But yeah, if there was going to be a link, I'm assuming it's somewhere there. I also think some of the character, like characterization, character development in this episode is important to like move forward with. I actually did realize there was something that I wanted to mention, which is that both Hardison and Parker in their retellings use the same phrase, like when the quote unquote power surge, right, yeah. that was the security system resetting itself. 
both of them were like, oh, they like, was it punched a punched hole? Punched a hole in Yeah. There. Both of them used that same yeah. terminology. And I was like, that's really fun. I also, I also think it's really interesting that's like, Parker knew. Because Sophie didn't know. Yeah. Parker was Elliot, the only one who had an inkling that anyone else was running a con. Yes. Yeah. Like, Sophie didn't know. Elliot didn't know. They just sort of boiled it down to power surge. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Harden knew because he was the Hardison knew because he was he the was one doing it. it. Yeah. But Parker also knew. Yeah. Parker figured it out and was like, oh, someone else is here and also found Sophie's bag. Yeah. So she knew that there was at least one other person running a con. Yeah. She just didn't realize they were three other people running, running a con, con and Nate. And also Parker's the one who most effectively managed to work around the rest of the team. Yeah. I also, we, the big point of this episode, the one that I really want to be able to actually address mm-hmm. um, is actually something that I have written a little bit of meta on. So I'm going to Ooh. share my thoughts and that because there is a post and I've actually brought it up nice and conveniently. Oh my God. Jamie's bringing receipts to the podcast. I'm bringing receipts to the podcast. And I, re- <laughs> I do have a link to, I will repost this. Uh, we'll pop it in the episode description. The episode description. I will post the link to this specific uh, text post. It was by Four Aces of Spades. Um, and it is basically like the Russian job is so important because it showcases how important it is that the team is all together instead of working as individuals. Because if you think about it, stealing a dagger, even a super important dagger, isn't that hard, dagger isn't that hard of a job. They do much bigger and more important work now, but at that point in their careers, not a single one of them could pull it off. Granted, they were all working against each other, which goes to show how good they really are, but they couldn't complete the tasks all on their own. They, If they had teamed up, it would have been an easy job. If they hadn't been working against each other, it would have been easier. If, even if just Parker and Sophie or just Elliot and Hardison worked together, they might have been able to do it. But they were all alone, so they didn't get the job done. They need each other. They're better for it. They really are. Okay. That was the post. That's OP's post. That's OP's post. Yeah. My thoughts, mm-hmm. which I really like how I worded, so I'm going to read them to you. Okay, please do. They're a team, but they're equals. Who got the dagger was based purely on sheer dumb luck, basically. I mean, Parker's supremacy, obviously, (laughs) but also the only thing that made one member of the team get the dagger instead of another is the way the timing of the, is the way the timing of the plans and how immediately their acquisition of the dagger is. AKA, Sophie's dagger was the least immediate, which is why she went first, because Mm -hmm. her, she would have gotten the dagger like a week in the future after it had been chipped out for her. Then we see Elliot X because his dagger was at after it'd been packed for shipping and sent off. Yeah. Hardison's was slightly before that. He tried to get he was getting it at the vault. Parker by She done luck. She done luck, <laughs> but also skill because she was the most That was also her plan anyway. It was her plan anyway. Like she was less she was more adaptable than the rest of the team. The rest of the team had their plans. Mm-hmm. But even if you listen to her describe her plan, Sophie's like, I set up this, I had this, like I was Sophie's con lasted four, four months. months. Yeah. You know, like I also think it's important to note that Elliot found out he was gonna be doing this with like zero notice. Like the guy's yeah. like, Oh yeah, it's in Boston today. Like, you know, so I also think it's interesting to see like how Sophie had meticulously planned out this whole experience for months on end. Yeah. And like Elliot found out that he was gonna do the job in twelve that hours morning. Notice, like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So ba- like it's just about the timing, basically. Mm-hmm. Um So Parker only got it because she chose to steal it at an earlier point than everybody else, essentially. Um, Everyone's plans would have worked. It was just like a bit of skill that she decided to steal it at any point other than transport. Everyone else's plans were reliant on transport, either changing it so that they 
it didn't get transported mm-hmm. or it was like just because she was so flexible she was like literally I'm going to get into the room mm-hmm. and then just wait for my opportunity yeah so as soon as she had the opportunity she went yeah everyone else's plans relied on certain other things happening before they could steal it mm-hmm. they weren't like oh I'm just gonna like fuck around and find out hers was like I have like 18 different plans in my brain and just depending on whenever I see it opening that's the plan I'm going to take yeah um but also, even at this point, they all helped each other unknowingly. Like, Hardison and Sophie provided the distraction Parker needed. Elliot and Hardison worked together to get into the medical office. Sophie meant that Coswell was distracted, which and Hardison made sure that the dagger stayed in the museum and unlocked the door for Parker. Actually, that's wrong. Parker unlocked the door from, from the, the inside, inside, which is how Hardison, Hardison got then got in. in. Yeah. So that's a little bit back to front. Um, Parker helped Nate by literally dropping the dagger in his lap. <laughs> Elliot provided a distraction by beating up the guard, which meant that Hardison got past Coswell. Even when they were strangers, they were accidentally working together. So it's it's a fascinating episode to look at, like, the the way that even when they weren't meant to be working together, they were. Mm-hmm. And for all of the things that meant, like, it didn't go to plan, there are so many things that they didn't know but they collaborated on. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hardison's distraction... Mm-hmm. because Sophie's plan immediately went to shit because she gave the champagne glass to Parker. Yeah. Who then gave it to Elliot. Yeah. Like, Sophie's plan went to shit. The only reason any of them managed to do any of it is because Hardison pretended to choke. Yeah. Like, that was already his plan. That was already his plan, and it just meant that it was a distraction for Parker to get the, out the back. It was a distraction for Hardison, Elliot, and Sophie to all get out the back. They're, they all use the same distraction. Do you know what is so funny? I know that I mentioned earlier about, like, the Dean coding of Hardison, like, you know, yeah. in Red Sky at Morning. They also do the same plan in Red Sky at Morning. Bella fully faints and they pretend yeah. it's because of a shellfish allergy. Like, that's literally the excuse Dean uses. <laughs> and then they use that to get into a room yeah. where she can be deposited so Dean can go while everyone's distracted yeah. and, like, steal the thing. Like, and then at the end, Bella steals it. Back. Like, yeah. that is so interesting. Like... But yeah, like you're you're so right. Like everything actually hinges on what everyone else yeah. was doing, and it's so interesting that none, like Nate, also like like his success hinged on everything else happening around him. Yeah, like because if if it was just one of them there, yeah, it, one of them and Nate. Nate is sort of a non-sum. He doesn't really do much until the end, and he mm-hmm. only do something does something at the end because. It falls out of Parker's waistband because she's yeah. grabbed Sophie's bag instead of her own. Yeah. And she doesn't have her climbing equipment. Because if she had her climbing equipment, A, the dagger probably would have never fallen out because she wouldn't be free climbing, which mm-hmm. is harder than climbing with a rig. Mm-hmm. And Coswell would have never gone into the vents. Do you know what else is really interesting? But also Sophie's cover would have been blown to fucking pieces if she hadn't grabbed Sophie's bag instead. Because if he had opened the bag and it was Sophie's dress as the Duchess, mm-hmm. Coswell might have put some of the pieces together. Yeah. Do you know what's really interesting as well? Is that Nate was the only one of the five of them who recognised it as a fake. Mm-hmm. Which means that even if one of the four of them had successfully stolen the dagger, they would not have actually successfully stolen the dagger. They would have like, just stolen its fake. replica. Yeah. And, like, here's the thing. Like, Elliot wouldn't have cared because the whole point yeah. is that he was stealing he a He was doing a job for someone else. He didn't know that he was stealing a fake. But also, like, it's not like he would have stolen the fake dagger and then given the dagger to Gutman and Gutman being like, the fuck is this? This is a fake. Yeah. Like, but, like, 
And, like, Hardison, it doesn't really matter because what he matters... to prove that he could beat could the be system. system. Yeah. But for, like, Parker and Sophie, like, it would have mattered that they stole the fake. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that Nate, like, looks at it for 30 seconds and then snaps it in half is also so interesting because it, it also yeah. shows a different skill that he brings to the team. Yeah. But also, Nate's the only one who ha- even has an inkling that something might be funky with the dagger. Yeah. Because, like, we, we hear... um. Yeah, so we hear Gladstone tell Sophie, I've had three other pieces of art stolen in the last six months. Which I assumed at that point in the episode that that was stuff that Sophie had stolen while she was running. Like, I just yeah. figured that was like, she was like, well, while I'm here, I may it as well. well. Like, But no, <laughs> it ties in because that's why Nate's there. Because yeah. that's the con that Gladstone is running. Like, there's yeah. actually like five different cons being mm-hmm. run and one of them is being run by Gladstone. Yeah. Like, and isn't and that just And Coswell's just so... trying to tell Sophie that he likes her. Coswell is so fucking cute. I I love the shift in his character between every other telling and Nate's telling. Because it... Kudos to the actor, actually. Because he is such an imposing character for the other four. And you mentioned earlier, it's because that's the perspective they have. He yeah. is a threat. So they are viewing him as a threat and they are retelling him as a threat mm-hmm. then you see him from Nate's perspective and he's just this guy he's genuinely very sweet he's got a crush on the like science nerd who works he's so in the other sad department. because like he's been spending so much time at work that he doesn't have like someone special and he's in love with Sophie which like valid of he him he brings the box of roses do you think that Nate actually brought those home from Maggie <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And I think it's fascinating that Maggie got roses from Nate that were intended for, for Sophie. Sophie. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. Fucking wild. Wild. I, insane. Insane in the membrane. Like, you know, and I love. I and love- also the thing is, if Nate had said, yes, I want to meet the Duchess. Yeah. Instead of going straight to the thing. He would have recognized Sophie's that. cover would be blown. But. Because at this point, they had already been checked, like, yeah. Doing the cat and mouse thing through you. Mm-hmm. And that was the only thing that made me suspect. Because I was kind of like, oh, I was like, is Nate Coswell? Is that like what we're getting no, at? Because, but then I was yeah. like, he ca- like he can't be because Sophie and Nate, I'm pretty sure. I was yeah. like, because they met in Paris. Yeah. So I was like, like, they can't, this can't be Nate because they, Sophie would remember Yes. Nate. And like, here's the thing. Like, I can believe that they forgot the other members of the crew. Because mm-hmm. like, let's face it, like. Parker was the waitress. No one's going to remember the waitress. Like, everyone else had maybe, like, two hours of time in the same room. Yeah. Like, and it was a party. There's a lot of people. Like, I would understand why you wouldn't necessarily remember. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, the random doctor who was kind of creepy who, like, thinks he was saving you, but really he just wanted to slice open your throat. Like, I, I don't blame them for not remembering. Like, and specifically considering they had, like, four years Mm-hmm. between, like, this meeting and then meeting again on the job. Like, uh, p- people can change a lot in five years. So Although, to be fair, we're season three, so theoretically when they ran the pilot job together, it would have only been two years. Like, I still agree. I think it. I think it is reasonable that they wouldn't recognise each other, especially under the different contexts. Mm-hmm. And, like, the first time they met was, like, very briefly under a very stressful set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And also all of them were in varying levels of, like, camouflage playing a role so you know i think that that in itself like lends yeah. to the and fact I, that they wouldn't recognize each other but yeah thing. i can 100% believe that nobody would recognize sophie because yeah. like let's so face it sophie i showed up to my own funeral, funeral and no yeah. one recognized me Devereux, like she's getting away with anything yeah um but if 
Nate had been Coswell. If Nate, like, Nate was actually Coswell. If this was part of, he would have worked with Sophia for four months. Yeah. If you do not recognize someone that you worked for four months with. Yeah. Then, then I'm like, yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah. But no, this, oh God, this episode is just very fun. Like, it's just very fun. And like, it's very silly in the sense, like, they're all kind of, taking the piss and I think it does a really good job of also establishing like these people are genuinely friends Mm -hmm. like this is literally co-workers out to drinks yeah like bullshitting and like having an argument over something that really doesn't matter that much yeah it's like it's like when you get into a like one of those like kind of arguments with a friend where it's not actually an argument it's just that both of you have picked very arbitrary like sides of a stupid argument but it's just like the banter that makes it fun it's like i still beat you and nothing else matters yeah exactly and it's like that you it really enforces this idea that to be fair is very obvious throughout the rest of the show anyway but this idea that these people are not just co-workers or colleagues for the sake of doing a good job but they like each other. They genuinely enjoy each other's company. Like, they're having a drink. They're playing darts. And then the end of the episode culminates in all of them going, well, I think we should... Like, it's like it's like a competition. I, th- I think you know, we it's all friendly know. friendly banter. It's a friendly competition. I think we all know the solution for this one. And that's uh, Parker just downing that shot and going dibs. And then everyone else is like, oh, no, we're being children now. Like, yeah, it's very fun. It's very much like... You know if you you and a friend are driving to the same place and you get the opportunity to overtake them? Like, you do it. Yeah. Because it's like, suck it. Like, you know, and it's stupid and it means nothing. But it's just it's just silly. Mm. And it's it's one of those things where it's... I, I really think that, like, playing as, a, like, an adult is severely undervalued. Like, just the, like, concept of just doing something silly with your friends purely for the joy of it. Like, it's something that I think as adults we don't often think about setting aside time for, you know, and it is so important to do silly things like that and just remember why life is fun, you know, and it's not just about work or study or like commitments that you have. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this just because it's a bit silly and I'm having fun with my friend. And that's what this feels like. Like they're not, they're running, they go to do the second con one Oh, actually, this is another point I wanted to make. Sorry, I am just fucking rambling. I'm like a steamroller this episode. I'm enjoying it. So, (laughs) so it's also really interesting. You see the way that their motives have shifted Mm -hmm. because the second time they go to get the dagger, yes, it's about the friendly competition of like, well, this time I'm going to beat you for real. But it's also the fact that they're really motivated to take it because the guy who owns it is a fucking dick. Right? Like, the first time, they just kind of wanted the glory of having stolen it. But now, they're like, no, we're going to steal it from this guy who's a piece of shit. Because he doesn't deserve to have it, you know? Like, so that's also really fascinating. It, it shows how their motivations to commit the crimes have changed in a really fundamental way. Because that bit where Nate presses play and shows who now currently owns it is what causes Parker to do the shot and be like, fuck it. Let's go get it. Like, before that, they were all kind of, like, just having a bit of a laugh. Yeah. But that's the turning point where they all go, you know what? Fuck Fuck that guy. Yeah. And then that's the motivation now. It's not actually about proving your worth or, like, just for the sake of the thrill. Mm -hmm. It's about fucking over the dickhead. Like, the dickhead. Also, your face when he said little people was fantastic. I was living for it. He was, like, the little people. And you were like, the fuck, bro? 
I, I had two very strong facial reactions this episode. Number one, when Elliot threw that phase, I was like, oh my God. But number two, when he said that, because I was like, I hate you. Like, Leverage is so good at making me hate their villains. And to be fair, I don't know how they managed to cast so many evil looking white dudes. Like, I know. Rivaled potentially only by Supernatural and purely by the longevity of yeah, Supernatural to the evil white guys that were cast. I just don't know how they managed to find so many evil white guys. Like, I was expecting at some point there are, like, pool of potential evil white guy actors to run out. But it just never does. They're breeding them in a lab like Hollywood breeds Chris's, honestly. Like, it's ridiculous. It's insane. I just... Yeah. Actually, this guy... I kind of wish we got to see them take him down. Because, yeah. like, that's actually probably my only, like, nitpicky complaint about this episode. It's like, I hated that guy. And then I was like, I don't get to see him get his just desserts, you know? Dream next episode is just them stealing the dagger for yeah, this time. Yeah, it's actually, do you know what? Yes. That would be my dream for next episode is if it's an immediate continuation of yeah. this. And you get to see them working together to commit the, the con. Fly. Yeah, to commit the con that they attempted singularly and all failed at. Five years before. That actually, I recognize that we're not going to get it. Because, but God, that would actually. If if they were like Supernatural and had 22 episode series, Mm -hmm. I could see that being something they'd potentially do. But unfortunately, in a 16 episode series, you just don't really have the time to. Yeah, but fuck that. Wouldn't that just be. It would be very horrible though. And it would do so much to highlight. Like, yeah, obviously this episode highlights, like you, the matter yeah. you were reading before, how all of them have to work together for it to be the most cohesive success. And even when they're it. not working together, they're still working together. Yeah. Like, like I just, I just think it would have been so fucking interesting to go from showing all of them individually attempting it and ultimately failing to showing all of them working together and On the kicking fly. the ass. On the fly. Like, oh, God, it would just be such a satisfying narrative over two-episode arc. Like, oh. Yeah. I I just want to, like, I I have so many favorite moments in this episode that I just want to list them. Please go for it. So if you have any, like, comments, questions, feel free to jump in. Like, I just want to, like, I want to, like, shout out because this episode, I love it. There are so many episodes that I love. I'm just going to go, like, top to bottom in my notes. Do it. I love that Sophie, when Elliot's like, well, I stole it. She's like, no, you were in a cave in Afghanistan somewhere. Oh, yeah, that whole intro bit. I have no idea what either Elliot or Hardison was saying. I can only hear what Sophie is saying. She is the only one whose words are enunciated at all. (laughs) She she tells Elliot that he was probably in a cave in Afghanistan somewhere. And then she tells Hardison that you were tapping away on a computer somewhere, Mm -hmm. which just very thing. And, like... The this is more important speech, that entire opening scene where Nate's like, I could go back to prison. And they're like, you did fucking fine. Yeah. You look good in a jumpsuit. You got in shape. Like, you learn how to hypnotize people. Like, Yeah. I also love the priorities that they apply to Nate being in prison. <laughs> like, the things that stood out to them are really interesting. Yeah. Like, you got in shape, you look good in a jumpsuit, and you learn how to hypnotize people. Pointed. I just love, like, they all say, I stole it at once, and then Parker just face palms, like, very dramatically, and I love that moment. Yeah. Okay. We get through the episode that a lot of characters are like, now she's lying about lying about Sophie, which I think is fucking hilarious. Like, Parker's just, psychology. like, they're like, well, she's the only one who lies for a living, like, she must be lying about lying, clearly. <laughs> 
we also get them saying, oh, we'll, we'll all tell Nate our stories and Nate will decide who the real criminal is. To which Nate's response is, well, you're all criminals. Like, yeah. Like, that was the concern. Yeah. It's like, no, no, guys, don't worry. You're all still criminals. It's like when, when someone's like, oh, but, like, I don't think I'm as pretty as her. It's like, no, no, girls, you're all pretty. <laughs> I, I also just love the pink dress. It's very, like, 2003, 2004, which is when this would have been set. It's iconic. The ruching and the hot pink and the matching hills. It's certainly a choice. It's a look. Oh, I also just want to say I do love Karen Ipcrest. Like, I do not blame Codswell at all. Like, I would also be in love with Dr. When Karen Ipcrest. When he's describing her and he's, like, in a cute little ponytail, I'm like, oh, you're so cute. I love Codswell. He's a sweetie. I also just love that throughout the episode, you can see that Nate knows that none of them got it. Yeah. he is. Nate is actually living his best life this yeah. whole episode. He is having so much fun. And I, I do love that for him. As much as I was a Nate hater, I, I do love how much fun he's having this episode. It's very, it's very enjoyable to watch. I also just love the way Sophie goes, well, I technically stole the dagger. I just didn't get to keep it. Because yeah. Babe, you never stole the dagger. Yeah. Unfortunately, Hardison means that you never stole the dagger. Yeah. Like, also, Elliot twirls anything Spencer has returned. Mm. He's twirling all sorts of knives in this episode. It is chef's kiss. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I also love when those two guys are trying to take him down. And first of all, they do this knife throwing thing, which is so, it's like Cass is his favorite move in Supernatural. And it makes me very happy to see it just exist generally. Mm. But also, when he's on the phone and he's holding that guy and he's, he's like, like... Why are you sending second-rate thugs to kill me? And he's like, if, if I I'm wasn't honest, honest with you, you, you can't improve. And I'm like, oh my god, Elliot, you're so wholesome. <laughs> like, I realised that you've almost killed this man. And then when he's like, you know I have to do it. And the guy's like, yeah. And he punches him. I'm like, I, I love the respect between the hitmen. Like, you know, it's a very professional, like, mm. level of, like, you know... You know I you know I had to do it to him. You know the meme? Like <laughs> No, I just want to see the you know I had to do it to meme with like Elliot's face. Like yeah. Exactly. I also love the scene where Elliot gets in the car and he's like, I know it's your first instinct to talk, but don't. Mm-hmm. You're much better off with just nodding. Just just nod. Yeah. Just nod for me. And he's like, here are your two options. Mm-hmm. I also kinda of wish we found out what happened to that guy. Because, yeah. like, Elliot's like, yeah, I'm just going to look him in the trunk, and then we don't hear about him again. And then we have Sophie's accents in this episode. Gina Bellman. Incredible. When I tell you that if you watch the season three blooper reel for Leverage, there was a lot from this episode that made it into the blooper reel. Mm-hmm. Nobody could keep a straight face while especially, like, the accent in Parker's retelling, the... Yeah. Like, absolute gobbledygook. Absolute fucking nonsense words. Uh huh. They were not words coming out of her mouth. Yeah. I also do love that part of getting these accents means we get the confirmation that Sophie has seen Lord of the Rings. Incredible. Like, I love that for her. Iconic. We get the core blimey governor accent, which is. Yeah. So real. And just the, oh, they, we call them sea roaches. We've got a different word for a bunch of things. It's a bit stupid, isn't, isn't it? it? No, no, no. Not isn't it. In it. Oh, there's shrimp in this. It's so funny. Like, I really appreciate, like, I always appreciate Gina Bellman's accents, but, like, this 
episode is just so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so entertaining mm-hmm. watching her so flawlessly. That's all right. Him. He's a bleeding doctor. Shoves Elliot at. <laughs> oh, it's in- incredible, honestly. It's also really funny. Like, I know we talked about how, like, they're all sort of unintentionally working together, but they all are very intentionally throwing each other under the bus. And I just think it's so funny. It's so much fun. Yeah. I also do love the fact that we get the tie-in, like, Nate says, oh, they've just installed a new Tanuki security system. So all of the glitches Coswell is putting down to the new security system. Yeah. It's like all of the things are, like, really concerning, except they've just switched security systems. There is going to be bugs in the system. Yeah. So all of it's just going to be boiled down to, oh, that's the new technology fucking up. Yeah. And and I'm patrolling, sir. How- oh, I also love when Coswell finds the security guard that Elliot has, like, stripped down. And he's like, are you okay, buddy? I'm like, oh, my God, Coswell, stop being so cute. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to have to send a nice note to the janitorial staff. And right? He's like, wow, we've got such well-stocked closets. I'm like, I love you. Like, and I actually really like the part where Parker's like, oh, no, poor Coswell, like, after she, like, punched him in the face. Like, very sweet. I just, I love this episode so much. And there is, it just, the layers mm-hmm. of this episode, of, like, being able to go back and being, like, I think it's also just really fascinating from a character development and, like, sort of perspective because we can see how they would have run, like, yeah. we can see, like, how so they f- run by themselves. Mm. Yeah. And so it's it's, like, now that Sophie's running with the crew, it's like she's no longer doing jobs where she's going undercover for four months as two different characters. Mm-hmm. Like if they were to run the exact con that Sophie run, they would probably just have one of the other someone else step in, for someone else one. play. Like someone would be carried at Chris, and then somebody else would be the Duchess. Mm-hmm. Like Sophie wouldn't have to play both by themselves. Like yeah, I think you know, it's very very fun and like this is what i was saying before about like the rewatchability of this episode is so high Mm. because it is so intricate and there are so many things you can like i said before it's not like a huge important episode Mm. and it's not but also you can draw so much from it i think that like on multiple rewatches the characterization like meta that you Mm. could employ incredible also just rewatching it even just the second time with the knowledge of exactly who each of... Of just of knowing Nate's there. Yeah, of just of knowing Nate's there, of just of knowing that Dr. Wes Abernathy is how Sophie perceived Elliot in that time. And obviously she's making him sound better than he is because then it reflects positively on her Mm -hmm. that she has this really classy doctor hitting on her as she's pretending to be the Duchess. Yeah. You know, like, so it's, it's just fascinating to look through the lens of, like... Yeah, each other's perspectives. Each other's and perspectives. And, like, when they learn that... It's the other... It's the other people. And how those perspectives shift. Yeah. yeah. It's so fun. And, actually, one other thing is I really enjoy the way that they showed Nate as he is currently experiencing the retelling. Like, I liked that they had Nate walking up the stairs with Sophie and she's ex- as she's explaining, like, obviously this is her telling the story, but they've done it in the context of while she's at the museum. Like, he's walking next to her and then at some point he, like, disappears. Like, I really think that that was a very fun way to show that, like, it's not actually... It's not just, happening. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not... It's a story. Yeah, exactly. It's not a exact... Like, we're not watching yeah. it objectively occur. We are watching a, like, retold version of... Because Nate, like, she's 
you know, walking up the stairs explaining what's going on. She's not going to be doing that in the yeah. actual con. And, like, here's the thing. If if this was, like, a normal episode of Leverage and Sophie was walking up the stairs with the mark explaining to Nate exactly what she's fucking doing. I'd be like, why is everyone screaming about crime in public again? Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense because it, it really, it's a really good film technique that they've used to remind you that this isn't happening. Mm-hmm. This is the story they are telling. A, yeah. Like they are telling Nate. They are telling the whole team, but they are telling Nate because they're all trying to convince Nate that they did the best job at stealing this dagger. Yeah. But you can see on Nate's face in the entire episode that he knows that none of them stole the dagger. Yeah. In fact, the dagger wasn't even there. Like, yeah. And actually, that's a really interesting point as well because, like, in, like, the three-card Monty job, right, we had that whole bit where the thing is that his dad played that game, but the card that you were looking for was never actually in the stack. Mm -hmm. And then in this episode, we have Parker with the cups, and the cups are all empty because she's holding the, like, what about... Because she's already stolen it. Yeah, right. Before all of the others. Right? Like, And then you have Nate, who's like, none of you could have possibly stolen the dagger. One, because I know I ended up with it, but also because it was never fucking there. You were all trying to steal something that was already gone. And, like, that also is just so interesting. This episode, when I tell you, I have watched this episode so many times. I'm not shocked. It is also an episode, though, that I wish I could re-watch for the first time. Yeah, like, I get that. It, like, the payoff of the first watch through. Like, obviously, Leverage is one of those shows where, like, the payoff of the first watch through is typically the really good. Yeah. Because you can, like, if you can spot all the clues that are baked into the episode, and, like, some episodes are easier to spot the clues than others depending on depending the episode. on they give you all the clues because yeah. there are a few where you it, don't actually get given all of the context that you do need mm-hmm. like there's always like there's a hole somewhere which is you often get that sort of in when they run through at the very yes. end how they actually achieved it sometimes you get a piece of information that there was no way you could have gotten because they did not give it to you yeah and so sometimes it's like did you a spot the hole yeah and b did you work out how they could have evaded. Yeah. Work out what that hole was filled with. Like, mm-hmm. some are obviously easier to work out than others, but, like, I think Leverage is definitely one of those shows where, it, like, some of the fun does definitely come from, like, the fun little, like, plot twist they do at the end where it's like, oh, this is actually, yeah, this is how it worked. Yeah. This is exactly what you missed because we didn't show you explicitly and we just sort of wanted to see if you could spot it. Yeah. Implicitly. Yeah. So I think, and this is one that's definitely, like, the first watch-through value. Like, I wish that I could scrub every memory of this episode from my brain and re-watch it again for the first time. Just because I think it's very fun and, like, the, like, the payoff is very good. Like, you get, like, you get Sophie's story and you're like, okay, I don't really know how. And then you get Elliot's story and you realise, oh, no. Mm -hmm. Any one of these characters in this story could be the rest of the team. Yeah. Like, and so then it, from there it's like, oh, well, how does this all, like, how does this all fit in? How Unless you're all... me and you're watching it the first time and you're like, oh, well, that's Parker and that guy's giving me it's Elliot blonde, vibes. And... <laughs> it's a blonde waitress. It must be Parker. I think it also helps that we've literally seen Parker play this role before yes. like, in that exact costume. And we also and... know that five years ago that would have been exactly the move she went for. Mm-hmm. She's not like a Sophie. Yeah. She's not going to have two different characters where she needs credentials and this and that and the mm-hmm. other. She wasn't even like, wearing a name tag. Like, no, she yeah. was just... She has her, like, default black tie event waitress yeah. outfit and she just wore it and people just assumed that she, she was... She worked there, yeah. Because why would you do waitress work for free? <laughs> 
you wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I do think it's very fun. I do think that, like, I know I understand fully what you're saying about wishing you could watch it for the first time again, but I'm going to stand by. Like, I think the rewatchability of this episode. Oh, it's very good as well. But, like, also, like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it's like now that I've watched it a lot – and like every watch through, I still I still pick up on more. I still learn new things. I still spot new things that I didn't necessarily spot the first time. Yeah. So like it definitely has like incredible rewatchability. But I think it's also like there's just something so special about like the first watch through of like putting all the pieces together. Yeah. And like the very fun plot twist of like hearing Sophie do those accents for the first time. I also think if I was trying to get someone to watch Leverage. This would be a good episode to show them. Yeah. Because it doesn't have any spoilers. No. But it's a really good episode to sort of, like, give the vibe and also highlight each team member's, like, particular skill and also, like, get a feel for, like, the relationship they have with each other. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think that it's – it would be a good one to be like, hey, I think you'd like this show. Do you want to watch a couple of episodes? Here are a few I've picked out. This would probably be in my top three. Yeah. Like, easily. Because it is a very fun episode. It's very well executed. And I think also it does a great job of, like I said before, highlighting each team member's skill and also showing, like, how they work together even when they don't mean to. Like, it's just very fun. And also just, like, the film techniques and vibe and, like, narrative structure is the writing's just really so... Good. Yeah. It's just so fun. Like, it's very, like, it's very different to what they normally do, but it does... It also lends itself really nicely to sort of what you come to expect from Leverage. Yeah. Okay, well, I think I don't have any more points specifically that I wanted to cover. So if you're all done for the day, we'll go into our wrap-up question. So, Beth, how would you rate the Rosherman job out of five? I think – oh, this is hard. Mm. I think I'm going to give it a 3.5, which feels harsh. I know. I know, which feels harsh, which is why I said this is hard, because I think that I will personally enjoy this episode more on rewatch. Okay. So I think that, like, I don't think that I can give it, like, a 4 or 4.5, like, right now because I don't think I've actually seen it at its full potential. Okay. Right? I think that I'm going to give it a 3.5 because I know that on rewatch I will enjoy it a lot more. And like I said to you at the beginning of the episode, this is not an episode that I went, oh, my God, it's immediately my favourite, like I have Mm. for other episodes so far. But I know that the value of it on revisiting it will be really high. So I'm going to give it a 3.5 because I did enjoy it. It was a lot of fun. They messed with the sort of general structure of leverage. But I think that its highest value is in rewatch. And I can't speak to that yet. It does rip my heart out, though. I'm sorry. If it, Do you know what? I could give it like a 3.75. Like, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure it's a 4 or a 4.5. But I need the rewatch to be sure. Because that's where I think the value of this episode lies. Do you know what I mean? So... Yeah, it's not that I think I, I certainly don't think it's bad. I certainly really, really enjoyed it. I think it is adds a lot, but I don't think that I understand its full potential. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So like it definitely sits somewhere in that I would say it probably sits somewhere in that 3.5 to 4.5 range. Mm. I just would need to probably rewatch it two or three more times to fully understand where I would want to rank it after fully understanding it. Do you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> I did really like it. I feel like I've upset you. I promise. It just I... makes me sad because I'm like in my brain. I'm like, yeah, this is like four and a half, five stars. Like, but in saying that, you've rewatched it a million times. Like, I don't. 
I don't understand the full intricacies of mm. it yet because I haven't gone back and been like, oh my god, that little Easter egg and that little Easter egg and that little Easter egg. I know they're there. Yeah, I it just... all ties together. Like yeah. that's. I think that's what's so brilliant about this episode. Every detail mentioned is relevant. Mm. Every detail mentioned ties each one of the versions of the story together. Yeah. See, for me, I'm I'm looking at this rating as like as a general audience viewer. If I just happened to turn on my TV while I was making dinner one day and Leverage was on and this was the episode, I'm giving it a 3.5. Like, it's a fun episode, it's a fun premise, like, all these bits. But unless you go back and, like, actually look at it, I think that's where it's a higher value episode. So, like, yes, eventually when we finish this podcast, I'll go back and I'll rewatch this episode and I'm sure that I will think better of it again in hindsight. But I think from, like, a general audience perspective, for a first-time viewing... I'm going to give it a 3.5, knowing that if I went back to it, I'd probably give it a 4 or a 4.5. Do you know what I mean? All right. So do you slash how do you think this episode ties into Moreau? I mean, I said before, but I'll re- reinstate it here. I think that if there's going to be a tie to Moreau, it'll either be to do with the security system, although I think that's more likely to be the one we've had previously, or it will be tied to the guy who was putting the hit out on Elliot. Gutman. Although one thing that I haven't really considered before that could be a possibility is that one of the characters that Sophie plays mm. could end up recurring. Mm. Like we could maybe see like the Duchess again, or we could maybe see yeah. Karen Ipcress again yeah. as a character that they use to take on Moro. Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing I haven't yeah. considered, but it was interesting seeing her run to characters sort of not against each other, but like At the same simultaneously yeah. collaboratively. I think that's really interesting. So maybe it's a technique that yeah. we will see her use for Moreau, or maybe we will see a character that she's played return mm-hmm. when it comes up to Moreau. So that could be something there, but honestly, that's kind of like a shot in the dark kind of thing. Okay. All right. Lovely. The next episode is called the King George job. Mm. What do you think it's about? I think it's going to be about uh, the, Oh, okay. I don't really know how to phrase this. Okay. I think that, I mean, it's King George. I'm going to assume that it is going to be either to do with like a relic of some sort of royal history, like (laughs) the crown jewels type thing, or a commentary on like the issues with like, what's the word? Is it imperialism? What's colonialism? Colonialism. Thank you. I, I just couldn't think of the word. Or it could be to do with the issues of like colonialism. And, like, the monarchy and, you know, how that's all a bit problematic, really. You know, so I think it could be a commentary on that, maybe. Something in that kind of... Like, it's it's about... It's got king in the title. Yeah. I'm assuming it's going to have something to do with the royal Royalty or nobility or, or, like... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whether or not they would actually be able to talk about the actual, like, British royal family... And be allowed to air that, you know. Like how much audacity does this 2009 show have? Yeah, or whether or not they'll allude to, you know, issues with, you know, the British royal family. I'm not sure. But I do think that's probably kind of, like, the way it's going to lean. All right. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to interact with us at all outside of listening to us ramble about a whole bunch of bullshit for, like, a couple of hours every week on the podcasts. You can find us on like Discord, Twitter, Tumblr, whole bunch of places. All of the links will be in our link trees below. Suggested conversation topics include... Before we get into that, I also just remembered there's a fish called King George Whiting. 
So oh. maybe it's also, it could be about fish. I know I've sustainable guessed. Sustainable fishing I know, practices again. I know that I've guessed sustainable fishing practices like three or four times. But maybe it's about King George Whiting. Honestly, come talk to me about whether or not Leverage ever did an episode on sustainable farming practices. Fish or otherwise. I'll take it. I've No spoilers. No spoilers. But, you know, just, just send me a fish emoji or something you know <laughs> throw me a bone guys Communicate with her <laughs> should i stop guessing about sustainable farming <laughs> oh of sophie's three bastardized accents which one was your favorite mm. parker's version elliot's version or hardison's version which retelling of this story is your favorite mm. whose perspective do you prefer yeah i think that could be quite fun because all of them are really interesting for their own sake yeah you know or who do you think won like, who, who do you think? Like, forgetting that Nate actually, like... If you I, had to say... Because personally, I think Parker won. I think it's pretty clear Parker won. Parker's the only one who actually got her hands on... Okay, it was a fake dagger, but the only one who actually got her hands on the dagger. Mm. Yeah. But I would like I would like to hear everyone's... If you have thoughts about yeah. this episode, like, whose plan you liked the best, you Ooh. know, if... Yeah. If the others hadn't been there, who you think would have actually achieved the end task? Yeah. Would all of them? Would none of them? Like, I'm interested to know. Because I think this is a really unique episode to talk about it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening today. Please have a lovely evening, afternoon, night, lunch, brunch, second lunch. Elevensies. <laughs> Elevensies. Midnight. 2 a.m. Even 3 a.m. Oh, might be 5 a.m. Why are you up? Bye. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to break your heart with the rating.